Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Really glad that you are here today. Hope life is treating you good. Hope your speaking business is good. Maybe you're uh, you're getting some bookings, starting to get some at-bats out there. Love it. Hope you're making a, a little dent, a little difference in the world with your message and what it is that you're sharing with the world. So we are on episode 13 of the Speaker Lab Podcast here, and I'm really excited about today's episode. This is uh, an episode we've been working on behind the scenes for a while now. And so basically what I wanted to do is I wanted to interview uh, a bunch of, of friends and, and some of the top speakers in the business, top speakers in the industry and in the game today, and ask them, how the heck are you so good? Okay, this, that's not exactly what I asked them, but kind of. Basically, I asked them, hey, I want to know, what are your top speaking strategies, your presenting tips? What are the, the tactics and things that you do behind the scenes, both in preparation and practicing on stage and working with clients? What are the things that you do that you recommend for other speakers? And so we put together 23 of today's top speakers, got their best tips on speaking and presenting, and I want to share that with you today. So here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to go over the. Let me just tell you what. Let's do this right out of the gate. Let me just rattle off everybody's name who's involved in this, okay? All these speakers who gave us their top tips. We have uh, Michael Port, Pamela Slim, Scott Stratton, John Acuff, Chris Brogan, Dory Clark, Dan Miller, Jonathan Fields, John Jantz, Hugh Culver, Jeff Goins, Pat Flynn, Crystal Payne, John Lee Dumas, Chris Ducker, Joshua Becker, Jason Zook, James Clear, Clay Hebert, Jenny Blake, Matthew Kimberly, Mike Pacione, and Tom Singer. Listen, some of these names maybe you've heard of, some of these names maybe you have them, but these are some of the best speakers that I know of. And so I wanted to get feedback from them on how they've become good presenters and good speakers and what it is that they do that maybe they can share with us today. So here's what we did. We took all of their tips and strategies. We put them together in a free downloadable PDF, and you can check that out over at Top topspeakertips.com. Again, that is topspeakertips.com. You're definitely definitely going to want to go over there, topspeakertips.com, and hear. Because uh, again, I'm just going to give you some quick summaries of what some of these people have said, but there's a lot more over in the uh, over in that, that guide that you're going to want to check out. So again, head over to topspeakertips.com. All right, here's what I want to do today is we've got, again, these the advice from these 23 speakers, and I basically kind of categorized it in a couple different categories. We're going to talk about preparation, practicing and rehearsing. We're going to talk about confidence when you're speaking, talk about storytelling, interaction, and then also working with the client. So uh, kind of categorize the various tips and strategies that have come in here. And I just want to kind of walk through, highlight a couple things that some of these people, these top speakers, I mean, listen, again, these are some of the best speakers in the industry right now. And so uh, I want to share with you just a couple of these highlights just to get your mind spinning, give you some tips and actionable strategies that you can start implementing into your uh, your speaking business right now. All right, first of all, let's start by talking about 
preparation. So I had this tip come up from from several people about the what they do behind the scenes and preparing and working on a talk. Uh, let's start with Chris Brogan. Chris will actually be in an upcoming episode, probably around episode 20. So be on the lookout for that. You can find him over at chrisbrogan.com. But he said uh, he recommended to start with the deliverable, something that will get the audience in the mind of where I want them to be. Now, sometimes that might be a question. It could be a statement. It could be a story, but something to get everyone on the same page. Uh, I want to go on to the next one here, and then we're going to come back and kind of talk about this. Jenny Blake, another speaker who chimed in here, jennyblake.me, you can check out. She said, define outcomes. Know where you want to take the audience. As Stephen Covey says in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, begin with the end in mind. How do you want the to impact the audience and what would you like them to do as a result of your speech? I love both of these tips by Chris and Jenny because I think this goes to less about presenting itself and more about being really, really clear on what it is you want the audience to do. What is it that you want your talk to accomplish? Why are you giving this talk in the first place? Two questions that we always encourage and challenge speakers to ask themselves is so what and now what? So what and now what? Okay, so you just you gave that presentation. You're told that story. So what? Like why should the audience care about that? And then now what? What are you going to do as a result of that? So I just told you that story. I just told you that this presentation, this talk. Now what? Like, am, was I just supposed to feel good? Were I supposed to get some little goosebumps? Like, what do you want me to do as a result of this? So Chris and Jenny both really do a great job of speaking to this of before you even give the talk beginning to get really, really clear on what that deliverable, what that outcome is. Let's keep moving on. Another great tip from Tom Singer. You can find him over at TomSinger.com. It's Tom, T-H-O-M, Singer.com. And just so you know, we're going to have all of these links in the show notes. So you can you can find all of them there over at TheSpeakerLab.com. But then again, let me just remind you, it's a heck of a lot simpler if you just download the entire guide that we have for you, right? Again, you can find that over at topspeakertips.com. Again, topspeakertips.com. So Tom says this, he says, think about your audience. Remember, it is called giving a speech, which means your presentation is a gift to your audience. I like that. I like the way he phrased that. He goes on to say, be thoughtful in how you prepare your talk to ensure that the message is about the people listening more than about yourself. While some of the material is great, it may be more self-serving than audience focus. I love that. I think that's so, so relevant. I know for myself, I know I've admittedly been guilty of that at times of giving a talk or telling a story or making a joke. I'm someone who uses a lot of humor. I use a lot of stories. I like making people laugh. And so there are times where I've, again, admittedly guilty as charged would do a joke or do something to get a laugh that really, it didn't serve the purpose of, of the talk. It didn't really serve the purpose or serve the audience in any way. It was more just to, oh, I got them to laugh. So it made me feel good as a speaker. It was a very selfish thing to do. So I like the way he, Tom talks about that. Remember, giving a speech, it's you're giving a gift to the audience. Let's keep moving on. Dory Clark from doryclark.com, a uh, best-selling author as well, cool gal. I thought this was really, really good. Check this out. She says, I used to work as a presidential campaign spokesperson, and during primary season, which it is here in the U.S. at the time of this recording, uh, I noticed something interesting that my candidate and all his competitors did during their speeches. They wouldn't give the exact same speech every time. That would be boring for them and for any audience, any audience member who had seen them speak before. But they also couldn't afford to deviate too wildly from the script because they didn't have enough time to learn new material and any slip-ups would be caught by the press. Instead, 
Each candidate had a series of modules. Now, this is really important. I think this is really, really key here. So each candidate had a series of modules what they would use to reshuffle and deploy based on the audience. Essentially, they would have a story about a working mother, a story about how they came to understand the risk uh, to the environment, a story about a veteran returning home. And they wouldn't necessarily memorize the story word for word, but they'd know it well enough that they could rely on a slip of paper with a few key words to trigger a series of anecdotes, which coalesced into a great speech. That's the practice I've been following with my own speaking ever since. Now, I love this tip from Dory because this is something I actually personally do as well is there's a lot of different stories, a lot of different chunks or bits, as they're sometimes called, that I use in different talks and in different ways. So I can tell one story and make one illustration or point out of it, or I can use that exact same story for a totally different unrelated audience and go in a totally different direction with the application of that story. I remember um, hearing it referred to one time as like a, think of it like a, a set list of a band. You know, if you go see someone in concert or a band in concert, they may do a variety of different songs, but they could do those in a variety of different orders, depending on the setting, depending on the mood, depending on what the environment would be. Even though they're the same songs, they're just done in kind of a different order, which creates kind of a different vibe. So I think that's the point, the example here that, that Dory's using is, don't feel like you need to write a new talk from scratch every time. Sometimes it's just a matter of figuring out some of those chunks, those pieces, those modules that work well, and figuring out how they all kind of fit together in different puzzle pieces. So for me personally, uh, I have a a list in Evernote of all of my different like stories and ideas. So sometimes whenever I'm beginning to work on something new or prepping a presentation, sometimes I'll refer back to that just to see, okay, what are these different stories that I've, I know these stories work. I've got them in the archive here. Uh, so how could I kind of tie them into the point or the message that I'm trying to present to this particular talk or something that I might be working on? So all great thoughts there for on the topic of preparation. All right, let's shift gears for a second. Let's talk about the practice and the rehearsing. This is something that we heard from several speakers that they talked a lot about, and I would totally echo uh, all of these things. So let's go through these. Uh, Crystal Payne from MoneySavingMom.com said this. She said, she said, practice your presentation standing up exactly as you plan to deliver them, including using your slide presentation and any props at least three full times before you ever deliver a talk on stage. I'll keep going on. There's a couple others here that say similar things. Jeff Goins from GoinsWriter.com says, the thing that most speakers don't do is practice. I mean, really deliver your talk dozens of times alone in your room or office until you have that thing down. It's awkward, but the only way it's the only way you get great. So if you want to stand out, do what most people don't do and give your talk like you would deliver it for an audience out loud all the way through with pauses, gestures, and movements. There's another one here. Let me find this one here. Matthew Kimberly from MatthewKimberly.com. He says, whatever you're doing, do it a dozen times, then a dozen times more, always in front of a live audience. If it doesn't work, tweak it until it does. If you still can't make it work, drop it, keep the parts that land, discard the parts that fall flat, then iterate, reiterate, and further reiterate until you find your sweet spot. So all of these are just talking about like just constantly, constantly, constantly working at it. Crystal Payne and Jeff Goins both reference how much time they spend behind the scenes practicing. And I would totally echo this. I'm going to give you, there's two other guys that gave some, uh, some tips here about some like fun ways to practice and go over this that I think you're going to enjoy. 
But just to speak to the importance of practicing, I, I personally, I spend hours uh, pacing my office or pacing my hotel room or just talking to myself. And as Jeff and Crystal both kind of mentioned, like, yes, it can feel awkward. Yes, it can feel strange. It can feel uncomfortable at times. It can just feel weird talking to yourself. I know I've caught myself at times like trying to like just talk quietly, but enough that like I'm still getting the point out. Like I don't want people coming into my hotel room or my family walking into my office while I'm just, I'm just, there's daddy just sitting there talking to himself. But you have to spend the time working on it, going over it, like Jeff referenced, doing it with your pauses, with your gestures, with your movements. If at the event that you're going to be speaking at, you're going to have a handheld microphone and you're not used to that, you need to get used to that. So you can grab an ink pen, grab a toothbrush, grab something that you can hold on to and get used to doing that. So whenever you're, let's say you have to use a a handheld microphone, but as Crystal said, you're supposed to also be doing slides or props, then you want to start to think that stuff through. I only have one hand to work with. So how am I going to make this illustration? How am I going to use this prop if it requires two hands? How is this all going to play out? And so you want to practice and think all of that stuff through. Uh, Let me give you a couple of great examples from some people here who suggested tips on how you can practice and rehearse. So Clay A. Bear from clayabear.com, uh, last name H-E-B-E-R-T.com. You can check that out. I interviewed him. We talked in episode five of the Speaker Lab podcast, so you can definitely go back and check that out. But Clay says this. He says, rehearse with your own audio track. Here's a simple rehearsal trick for new talks or material. Before you rehearse live with other people, script out your talk in a simple Word or Google Doc without slides. Then read your presentation aloud into your computer or even just into your phone. Try to match the energy, the pauses, the contrast that you want to project on stage. Then load that audio file onto your phone and listen to it over and over. Listen on a walk, in your car, when you wake up in the morning, while you work out. There are parts you'll love, parts you'll want to improve. Go back and fix the parts you don't like and re-record it. Repeat until you're happy with it and then listen to it over and over. I love this idea. I've actually, I haven't used this a ton, but I have used this a time or two where when I'm trying to learn new material. I mean, think about it like like if you, you know, if you're uh, listening to a a song that you just like, oh, that's just your jam. You know, there's just some new song that you're just like, I just, I got to know the lyrics to this. Yeah, like sometimes you could just go out and you could like pull up the lyrics and you could read them along and kind of learn them that way. But most people learn songs. I just listen to it over and over and over. And so by listening to yourself present a talk, in some ways you're kind of internalizing that talk. You're internalizing the message that you want to share, that you want to get across. But I like what Clay's talking about of taking it a step further of if you're listening to it, over and over and over before you present it, it also helps you to kind of get clear if some of it works or if some of it doesn't work. You know, that you're going to get a sense like, you know what, I keep hearing myself tell that story and I just don't like it or it just doesn't fit or I just don't think it works in some ways. You want to know that stuff before you get on stage whenever possible. And again, going even back to what Matthew Kimberly had suggested here of practicing dozens and dozens and dozens of times and then also doing that in front of a live audience. You know, I think this is something that a lot of speakers don't realize is you think every time you speak, you have to be 
creating a brand new talk from scratch. And that's not the case. You can use a lot of the same material. A lot of times when I'm speaking, I use a lot of the same material that I've used before, but maybe I'm just tweaking you know, 10% of it for the context or the audience of who it is that I'm actually speaking to. It's exactly what, again, Dory Clark had just recommended in her previous tip was to have kind of these modules, these chunks that you can use and use in a variety of different ways. To wrap up here on the practice section here, Mike Pacione, who works uh, one of the, a great speaker, great guy. We actually had him on episode nine you can go back and listen to. He works with, with uh, Nancy Duarte and, and teaches a lot on presenting and slides. He says this, rehearse having fun. Here's the deal. The audience is there to be entertained. Most speakers worry more about their words than how the speech feels to the audience. That's a mistake. The audience will mimic whatever emotions you're showing. If you're nervous, they'll be nervous. If you're sad, they'll be sad. Most importantly, if you seem excited by your topic, they probably will be too. So rehearse yourself doing things like smiling, laughing, and having energy. Most people would never bother rehearsing such things. If you do, you'll stand out. And so I love this tip. I love this strategy by Mike that the audience will mimic whatever emotions you're showing. You, when you're on stage, when you have the microphone, when you're in front of the room, the audience is taking their cues from you. And so they will mimic whatever emotions you're showing. So practice those emotions. If you're telling a sad story, you want to practice and go over feeling sad, feeling the emotion that's associated with that story rather than, again, just getting up there and winging it. And again, I think that's just a misconception that a lot of, of uh, especially new speakers have is that the good speakers, the great speakers of the world, they just get up and they're just natural. They just shoot from the hip. They just wing it. And that's not the case. They spend hours and hours and hours practicing, rehearsing, going over their material. And so they practice all of these nuanced things. Like Jeff said, Jeff Goins had said, to, you know, your pauses, your gestures, your movements, like Mike Pacquion said, of smiling, laughing, having energy, all of these different emotions that you're thinking through that you want to exude from stage. All right, let's keep moving on here. Let's talk about confidence. This is another theme that was brought up by several different speakers. Let's start with Michael Port. Michael Port from michaelport.com. I feel like I said Michael Port like nine times in a row there. Michael Port actually hosts the Heroic Public Speaking event, which is actually at the time of this recording getting ready to happen uh, in about a week or so, I believe. So it's going to be happening down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm going to be down there uh, presenting at that as well. Looking forward to that. So listen, it's literally like next week, all right, if you're listening to this when this episode comes out. So if you want information on that, you can go to thespeakerlab.com slash HPS for heroic public speaking. That's the event down there. Again, the, let's say thespeakerlab.com slash HPS. I'm just throwing that in as a little bonus there. Also, uh, Michael's ep- interviewed in episode seven, so you can go back and check that out. But he says this about confidence. He says, stand and land, all right? That's, his, that's a key phrase he uses, stand and land. Let your punchlines point lines, and purpose lines land. That means you don't move while you're delivering them. You remain physically rooted to the spot so that your body reinforces the gravity of your words. Now, of course, you can move and talk at the same time. People do it all the time in real life. Just don't sway and don't move when you're landing your most important points. Stand and land. I like that. So when you're on stage, when you're presenting, again, just be nothing wrong with moving around. I'm someone who's, I've got like stage ADD. I'm just moving all over the place all the time time. But whenever it comes to those key points, plant your feet, be confident, make eye contact with the audience and stand and land. Deliver those key points that you have. 
Jason Zook from JasonDoesStuff.com. He's going to be in an upcoming episode, probably around like episode 24 or something, give or take. He said this. He said, I used to pretend to be someone else while on stage. I would mock other speakers, put on an act to try to do things that more well-known veterans did. At some point in my speaking career, that didn't feel right, and I just started being myself. I used my own brain of humor. I didn't worry about hiding any of my flaws or things that made me different. Not only did I start to feel more confident after every speaking event, but I started getting an exponentially higher amount of speaking requests immediately after an event. I learned that embracing my differences was the thing that would always set me apart when event organizers were looking for speakers. I love that. That just the the be confident in you. You don't have to watch the latest TED talk and let's figure out, okay, that person said this and then they did this with their hands and then they moved here. You don't have to do that. Be confident, be comfortable in your own skin as a presenter and as a speaker. Next one comes from John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. You can find him over at uh, Entrepreneur on Fire or eofire.com. He says, own your words. Don't just speak them. When you own your words, you inject feeling, energy, and fire that is felt by all the attendees. Own silence as well. There is nothing, no better way to recapture attention. Great thought from John there on not only being confident when you speak, but be confident when in your own silence. And that is really, really hard for a speaker to do. I remember hearing it referred to as a pregnant pause. Like when you're pausing, you're, you're pausing almost to the point that it feels uncomfortable for you. Because I, I can assure you of this, it's always going to feel longer than it actually is. If you pause for just a second or two, Okay, that was a three-second pause, but to me, it felt like an eternity. And that's the way it is, especially when you're standing in front of a live audience and they're just staring back at you. But own the silence as well. All right, let's keep moving on here. We have a next Chris Ducker from chrisducker.com. He's actually going to be on episode 15 coming up next week, so be on the lookout for that. But he says, the old strategy of imagining the audience with no clothes on to calm your nerves as a speaker is tired and worn out. I, as Grant, agree. Instead, he says, look around at the audience, making eye contact. Imagine dropping value bombs directly on their heads, changing their mindsets, making a difference, providing solutions to their problems. Your nerves will be gone and you'll be excited to get in front of them. I like what he's saying there, you know, of this idea of just imagining the audience with no clothes. I don't know who came up with that. I've never tried that. That sounds ridiculous and also highly inappropriate. But for me, when I, I want to look in the the eyes of people. I want to, like Chris said, I want to imagine like the things that I'm getting ready to say, that the things that I'm sharing with them are making some type of impact or making some type of, of difference. Let's keep moving on. Next one. Next comes from Pamela Slim from PamelaSlim.com. Another great speaker, author. Lots of great female speakers represented here. Female speakers came strong for this. But she says this, even the most experienced speakers get anxious in the hours before they go on stage. Nervousness is not all bad. It is energy that can fuel a dynamic talk. But if you let your nerves get you, your thoughts can quickly turn from, quote, I'm a little nervous about this talk to, quote, I don't know if this talk is going to land to, quote, what in the world was I thinking when I agreed to this? They are going to hate me. If you find yourself in this spiral, take a deep breath and close your eyes. And so I, I think this is another great point that sometimes we just think, well, if you're a great speaker, you don't get nervous. And that's not true. I think most speakers still get some level of nerves before they go speak. I know I do, but when I'm standing backstage, when I'm waiting to go on, uh, I still have those little internal butterflies. And you know what I've, I've learned? is that when you feel that emotion, when you feel those nerves, again, like, like Pamela said, that's not a bad thing. 
to me, it just reminds me that what I'm getting ready to do matters. I mean, think about the moments in life where you you felt those nerves, like maybe before a job interview, maybe before you were asking someone out for a date, maybe before you you were going to propose to your spouse, before some of those like big moments, you felt those nerves. Why? Because what you're doing matters. It was significant. It was important. So when you feel those nerves, that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. The other thing I think it's important to note with nerves is sometimes we can confuse nerves with uh, excitement. You know, it's, it's very similar to whenever you get ready to go on a roller coaster. I'm a big fan of roller coasters. I like roller coasters. What about you? Are you a roller coaster fan? I'm a big roller coaster fan, so my oldest daughter's a fan. My wife is not so much a fan. My younger two daughters, the jury is still out. They're still young, so we'll, we'll see what happens with them. But I personally, I'm a, I'm a roller coaster fan, so when I'm standing in line, even though I enjoy roller coasters, I feel some of those butterflies. And so those butterflies, it's not necessarily nerves, it's just excitement. And so that excitement can be confused with nerves. And I think that's really what Pamela is saying here. Is she says, again, nervousness is not all bad. It is energy that can fuel a dynamic talk. And in fact, she goes on, she gives a great illustration here, a great example, an exercise of what you can do to help calm those nerves before you go speak. But again, you're just going to have to go download that Top Speaker Tips guide. Again, topspeakertips.com. That's where you're going to want to go, topspeakertips.com, and check that out. We're only about halfway through here. Is this helpful? You learning some stuff? We scratching where you're itching? All right, good. Let's keep moving on here. So uh, the next section I want to talk a little bit about is we got several people, several of these expert speakers who shared some strategies about stories and the importance of storytelling. We have Dan Miller from 48days.com. He's actually going to be on episode 18 coming up in a couple of weeks, so be on the lookout for that. But he says, recognize the power of storytelling. Weave the principles that you're trying to convey into stories rather than just telling facts. That's what people will remember. And uh, a couple other guys said the similar things here. Jonathan Fields from jonathanfields.com. He said, tell stories in the present tense as if they are unfolding in real time. It creates a stronger sense of immersion and urgency as if you are all living the story together and increases attentiveness because, well, we all need to see how it turns out. And then finally, James Clear from jamesclear.com says, use names and real stories. Names are incredibly important. I cite academic research and science to back up my arguments in my presentations. And this is a good idea, but the audience doesn't really remember cohort A did this and cohort B did that, unquote. He says, plus, listening to how a bunch of academic studies were conducted can sound boring. The studies are great for adding credibility, making sure you actually share truth rather than opinion, but people remember stories and names. Find examples of, of real people with stories that can act as an example of the research findings in the real world. Tell their story as an intro to the academic stuff, and people will, one, believe your points, and two, remember the real people and the stories you tell. So great thoughts there, again, from Dan Miller, Jonathan Fields, and James Clear, all about the importance and the power of storytelling. And I totally, totally echo this as a speaker, that storytelling is one of the more powerful weapons in a speaker's arsenal. So always, when at all possible, look for opportunities to use stories, to share stories, First-person stories are what I personally prefer, like stories that I've actually lived and experienced. But you can also use, like James kind of referenced there, you can use you know kind of third-person stories that are serve as a great example or to serve to make a, a certain point in some way. 
All right, let's keep moving on here. Let's talk about audience interaction for a second here. We got some great examples here. One comes from uh, Hugh Culver from uh, HughColver.com, H-U-G-H Culver.com. You can actually listen to him in episode 10. Go back and check him out as well. But he says, he has a great quote that uh, I've never heard before, but I, th- I thought is, is very, very applicable. He says, there's an old line in the speaking profession that the brain can only absorb what the butt can endure. Think about that for a second, all right? Let me just let that sink in for a second again. Let me read that again. There's an old line in the speaking profession, the brain can only absorb what the butt can endure. You need to let people move. During my speech, I plan for some type of activity about every 10 to 12 minutes. After that, he, he goes on to share several different examples of ways that he allows the audience to move and allows activity and interaction. But that's a great point that the brain can only absorb what the butt can endure. I mean, you could listen to one of the best speakers on the planet, but the reality is that you're still, you're a human. You're going to start to lose attention. You're starting to get fidgety. Your butt's going to get sore. So thinking through as a speaker and a presenter, how we can allow the audience to move, to interact, to get up, to walk around, to interact with each other, just to not only help with the talk, but just to keep them engaged. To keep moving on here, John Jans from johnjans.com. It says, whenever possible, I try to interact with some portion of the crowd ahead of my talk. And he goes on to share some different ideas of what he does. But this is another thing to interact with the audience ahead of time. Now, you can, you know, there's some speakers that want to just calm their nerves and they want to like hide behind the curtain before a talk. And that's fine. But I, I would agree with John that getting out, talking with the audience, meeting people, I think sometimes we, we feel like it's this, this us versus them mentality. I'm the speaker. I'm up there on stage and the audience, they don't like me and I have to win them over and yada, yada 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 but once you get out you start talking with the audience ahead of time you find out like these are just normal people like they just want to hear a good speaker a good presenter like just like you would and so getting out there talking with them ahead of time helps to kind of calm nerves i've also found that uh talking with the audience ahead of time kind of helps me to get a pulse on how the event is going or how the audience is if i'm talking to an audience first thing in the morning are they tired if i'm talking to them at the end of the day are they exhausted if i'm talking to them right before lunch are they hungry if this is like a a 14-day conference, which I don't know if those exist, and we're on day 14, I just want to get a vibe of how they've been feeling. Are they they energized? Are they feeling good? Are they excited? Are they worn out? So some of those things help me to kind of know and be able to read the audience ahead of time before I I even get up there to speak. And then finally, on the interaction section, we have uh, Joshua Becker from becomingminimalist.com. He says, the wisest piece of speaking advice I ever received came from my grandfather, a man who now in his 90s still speaks publicly every week. Over the years, I have found his advice to be as simple as it is profound. He said, always remember people love to laugh. Be sure to give them the opportunity to do so. Great. Just super simple, super profound. Again, always remember people love to laugh. Be sure to give them the opportunity to do so. Give them that chance to laugh. People love to laugh. And there's a lot of different ways that you can use humor in your presentations and in your talks. And in fact, we're going to be emailing out some strategies on how you can use humor in your talks in the next couple of weeks. So you're going to want to, again, you can go to topspeakertips.com just to hop on that email list as well so we can share with you some of those humor tips and strategies that you can use in the, uh, in the next few weeks. All right, finally, let's, we got three more speakers, and then we're going to wrap this up, put a bow on this episode. But on these last few, we're going to talk about uh, working with the client themselves and, and little things that you can do. John Acuff, great speaker, good friend of mine uh, from acuff.me. He says, this tip is going to seem incredibly small, but if you don't do this, your whole speech could be ruined. Here's my tip. Ask everyone associated with the event how much time you have to speak. 
Ask the sound guy, ask the speaker host, ask the event planner, ask everyone. Make sure you do this right before you speak because times change during events as other speakers take too long or go too short. The last thing you want to do is find out mid-speech that you're out of time. A great, great example from John. I'll give you one more here from Scott Stratton from unmarketing.com. He says, never go over your given time slot, but never let the audience see you check your watch. I reach for a bottle of water and glance at mine when there is no clock handy. So both tips from John and from Scott here about really paying close attention to the clock, paying close attention to the time. This is something that some speakers are really notorious for. Is they're just kind of like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just speak as long as I want. Whenever I'm done, I'm done. Like, don't do that. Don't be one of those speakers. Don't be the type of, of one that, that just ticks off the audience or, or ticks off the client just because you just want to run your mouth a little bit longer. Be extremely, extremely aware of the amount of time that you have. And if that is cut, if that needs to be shorter, if that needs to be longer, then again, you are there to serve the client. You are there to serve the audience. So be willing to go with the flow of that. There have been times where I've been slated to speak for, let's say, 45 minutes. And then by the time I get up to speak, it's like, hey, we're running, we're running way behind. Can you cut it down to, to 20 minutes? There's a conference. Uh, this is a true story. Last year that I was supposed to do two talks, basically an opening talk and a closing talk for this one-day conference. And it was a conference about like five, 600 people or something. I do the opening talk. It goes well, but they, they got started way, way late. And they were there's a lot of people there waiting to get in. And I don't even remember what, what caused it, but just they were way off schedule right out of the gate. And this was just kind of a, a one-day event. And so the second, the afternoon session that I was going to be speaking at, I was going to be doing that session based on the schedule they gave me. And then when the conference day was going to be over, then I was headed basically straight from there to the airport to catch my flight. And so they were, again, way behind schedule. We start getting closer and closer and closer to the to when I'm supposed to speak in the afternoon. They're way behind schedule, way behind schedule. And it basically ended up being where I didn't even have time to give the second presentation. Like I ended up having to leave to go to the airport. Now, I told the client. It wasn't like I just bailed on them. But but there are times where you just you have to go with the flow. And so I could have been I could have been angry, I could have been pissed off, I could have made a big stink like, "Hey, I'm supposed to give two talks. You hired me to give two talks." But no, no. My job was there to serve the client. And if that meant that the schedule all of a sudden didn't allow for me to even give that second talk at all, then so be it. So be flexible with that. Uh, another thing that Scott Stratton said there is always be aware of the clock, and and but never let the audience check it because when you start checking your watch or you start checking the time, then and again instinctively the audience will follow suit. They'll start checking the time as well. So I always, whenever I get up in, into a room, whenever I'm on stage, when I'm just like beforehand, before the audience is in there, and I'm just doing like a, a sound check or just kind of checking out the room. One thing I'll do is I'll immediately look around the room to figure out if there's a clock somewhere. If it's a, a ballroom, a banquet hall, an auditorium, a theater wherever it is, I'm just looking around to figure out if there's a clock and I want to go ahead and locate that. And if there's not, then I want to figure out what my next option would be. Like Scott said, you know, one of the things he does is he is very discreet about reaching for a water bottle and glancing at mine when there's no clock handy. And so coming up with something like that for you, but again, the whole point here is being really, really aware of the time and sticking to the time that you are given. 
Now, uh, on the last and final tip, it comes from uh, my buddy Pat Flynn from smartpassiveincome.com. He says this. He says, get to know the person or the people who will be handling the tech in your room beforehand. Shake their hands. Ask if there's anything you can do to help or perhaps offer a coffee. Just make sure they have what they need from you prior to your time on stage to reduce the risk that something is missing or could go wrong. This little connection with the tech person can mean a whole lot when they take extra care for you to make sure all systems are go. Great tip from Pat here that those, I always tell the the tech crew, like they make me look and sound better than I am. So I want them on my side. I don't want to be this prima donna speaker that's going in demanding stuff or just acting like a a pompous jerk or anything like that. I want to be really, really grateful and thankful for what it is that they are doing. They have spent hours and hours oftentimes setting up the stage and the tech and the lighting. Uh, And so just like little bits of buttons that they can push and little knobs they can turn can really make or break a speaker's and an audience's experience. So I want them on my team. So I want to, again, be grateful, be appreciative, make sure that they have what they need from me, that I'm easy to work with. So great, great tip from Pat there. All right, we have gone through, again, 23 tips there. And again, a lot of these I just kind of like touched on, kind of gave you like a a sentence or two from what it is that they gave me. But there's a lot more that you're going to want to check out. Again, all of this you can find, the entire guide you can find over at topspeakertips.com. It's totally free. You can download it again, topspeakertips.com. Really, really excited about this one and, and all the uh, the great strategies that so many great speakers provided here. So definitely stop by and check that out, topspeakertips.com. All right, boys and girls, I think that wraps up today's episode, episode 13 from the Speaker Lab. Hey, if you have questions, always feel free to reach out to me. You can hit me up over at support at thespeakerlab.com or email, you know what, forget that. Email me directly, grant at thespeakerlab.com. Let me know what you're working on, where you're stuck, how we can help you out. We've got a free private Facebook group that you can be a part of. You can check out lots of free resources over at the Speaker Lab website. So definitely stop by, check that out. If you haven't already, be sure and subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review within uh, iTunes Stitcher, wherever you may be listening to shows. Really appreciate you doing that. Helps other people to uh, to find the show and and, uh, check it out. So, all right, my friends, we'll catch you next time. You're awesome. 